to the Cutaways Podcast. I'm Justine. And I'm Ashley. Yay! This is a podcast. We watch romantic comedies. We've been watching them for forever. And we'll be watching them for forever. Till the day we die. Pretty much. Bringing you content weekly. We are watching uh, Netflix's romantic comedy genre list in chronological order. We started out in 1918... The birth of cinema, and now we're we we are in the eighties. Rocket. Sorry, I have an image of us as like little old biddies in wheelchairs, <laughs> rolling out with the podcast, <laughs> being like, "Oh, hello, Justine. Let us let us do the podcasting today. We got a radio show. Let's go." I don't know why I became British in my old age, but it happened. And then we'll finally watch Easy A. <laughs> yep, we'll finally watch Easy A. <laughs> Which I watched the other night because we didn't have internet, Mm -hmm. so I, like, picked a random Blu-ray, and I'm like, I'm gonna watch this. (laughs) And then, um, Patrick Dempsey came on the screen, and I was like, hey, I finally seen that movie now. Yay! Isn't it great? Like, I've been, I feel like I am watching more romantic comedies now, too. Yeah, I was just, like, in the mood for it. I was like, I really want to watch this, and it's, it's so cute. Mm Mm-hmm. They always, there's... There's some really bad ones, but there's also some really cute, like, genuinely feel-good, fuzzy, warm, blankety, cutesy ones. Yeah, so give give romantic comedies a chance. We, we mentioned this last week, what we're watching just came on Netflix streaming, so we're going a little bit backwards in time. Yeah, we go back in time. We've done this a couple of times. Mm-hmm. If Netflix adds something that we think is essential or um something that we need to that might be on our list that we could have compared and contrast to do we think it's important so we'll go back a couple of years or so or whatever and we'll watch it so that's what we're doing today with 1984's 16 candles and this is a movie that we have both seen but we don't have a guest because it was so last minute. It was very last minute. It was just like, we're going to watch it because of reasons. Yeah, and I feel like it's not, it's one that Ashley's watched a lot and I haven't watched a lot, so I'm fine with it. It's, it's cute. It's got Anthony Michael Hall in it. You can't, like, not love my Anthony Michael Hall. I do like Anthony Michael Hall. <laughs> I do. He's just so cute in it with the curly hair. This Because this is before Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. So this is before this is before the Brat Pack kind of became a thing. This with is him. like the dawning of it. Yeah, very very tip of it. So let's let's read the description. So Samantha's sixteenth birthday should be memorable, but her family is so preoccupied with her older sister's wedding that they completely forget her big day. Meanwhile, Sam tries to catch her crush's eye. It sounds like you. It sounds like me? It sounds like your family. Then, yeah. I mean, in in reality, yeah, I've... Except you're the older sister, but if you were, like, the middle child... I sometimes feel like I might have middle child syndrome. Just because my mom and my sister are so much alike, mm-hmm. and even though she's the... My sister is the middle child, it's just because her and my mom have this weird Lorelai Rory Gilmore friendship kind of thing going on. Whereas I don't have that with my mother because we butt heads <laughs> a lot, as they would say. But it's not. It's a. It's like a symptom of a big family. Mm-hmm. Like that's mostly what what that is. Is you get so focused in on trying to make everybody in the family happy when it's completely and utterly impossible to do. 
which is why when it was my turn for the wedding, I was just like, here's the decisions that I've made. <laughs> you rest are on your own. Yeah, update. <sighs> Countdown to Ashley's wedding is just in a few weeks. That's scary, guys. Yes, yeah, so this movie stars Molly Ringwald, Michael Schoffling, and Anthony Michael Hall, as Ooh. we've discussed. And it was directed... By John Hughes. Yeah, finally a John Hughes movie. That's one reason I'm like, we should do it so we can finally watch a John Hughes movie. Well, yeah, that and the fact that everybody says that Pretty in Pink, like, is a John Hughes movie. Mm -hmm. And then we're like, no, it actually isn't. It's like the whole Nightmare Before Christmas thing with Tim Burton. Yep. Where everybody's like, look, it's Tim Burton's movie. And it's like, no, it's not. (laughs) So it's rated PG. It's 93 minutes long. And it's... Four, well, actually, technically, it's three and it's three point eight stars. It's four stars. But look at it's like it's like partially there. I like, know. Uh, it's like you get you get every bit of the star except for this tiny little tip. <laughs> tiny, 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 tiny. But yeah, on DV on well on Netflix, it's saying it's three point eight stars, which is technically four. We like to round up. We will round up. I'm excited to watch this because, like I said, it's not one of the John Hughes movies that I've seen a whole lot. It's the er- It's probably mm-hmm. the earliest of the John Hughes movies that you can go. Yeah. Why'd you have to die, John? Oh. He was taken too soon. I know. I don't want to end this intro sad. <laughs> We're going to go watch the movie. That sounds good. I'm sorry. I'm so not in the head space for things. We're gonna load you up on medication. <laughs> Time to drug Ashley. <laughs> so yeah, that happened. <laughs> we watched Sixteen Candles, and Ashley didn't remember any of it. No, I didn't. I like I remembered the beginning and the dance and the underwear scene, mm-hmm. and then the very end. Nothing else in between. I remembered the end. Yeah. I didn't really, uh, I was spotty in the beginning, but really towards the end, yeah. It was so disjointed. Like, I don't remember it being that disjointedly horrible. What do you mean when you say disjointed? So, what we were set up with in the beginning, like, it didn't flow right. I don't want to say necessarily logically, because things can flow without being logical, but it it felt very, I'm going to whine about this for an hour and a half, and then it's going to happen, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then I'm going to whine about something else, kind of thing. There was no romance. No. It's, it's a sex movie. It's a sexist movie as well. Yeah. It's sexist, racist, kind of classist, almost. I mean, it's it can also be, I guess, derogatory against people who are labeled as geeks. <laughs> I don't know. There are a lot of, like, a lot of the things in the, that happened in this movie could kind of be labeled as an interesting way of looking at different types of bullying. Like, because she bullies herself. Her brother bullies her. Her friend, in a way, kind of bullies her. It's just, there's a lot of, like, unkind things going on. In Skokie, Illinois. Well, I mean, it's Skokie, so... No offense, Skokie, but you're kind of a bit weird. Hmm. To me, I feel like this movie, I never clung to it like The Breakfast Club or Ferris or, or Pretty in Pink. Because, like, 
Jake Ryan isn't appealing to me at all. He doesn't talk. He doesn't we talk. We know nothing about this man. He says five words, and none of them I could understand or hear. <laughs> like, he had the puppy dog eyes. I give him that. He looked like Yori Laterra, and he's from Finland, so, I mean, you kind of have to be attractive to a guy from Finland, but there's nothing appealing about him. I don't know. I guess if you like his looks, then then there's that, but anything other than that? He had a nice car. Uh, he was For the rich. time period. Yeah, yeah, he was rich. Like, there's that whole stock. I don't know. I, Because I, this this is before Pretty in Pink. Mm-hmm. So, it's interesting how, like, the, he kind of was telling a very similar story in Pretty in Pink. But he kind of worked out some of the kinks. Mm-hmm. Because we still have the stock characters like we had... In Pretty in Pink. You still had the dad who was very, like, connected to his daughter. Yes. In a way. You still had the dorky, cru- like, crush who kept, wouldn't leave you alone. Mm-hmm. You had the rich, pretty boy. Yep. You didn't have as much as the cl- of the classism. It was still a little bit there, you could say. Mm-hmm. Much better outfits. Yeah. Similar, similar you had 80s style outfits, much better outfits though. Yes. Molly Ringwald acted a lot better in Pretty in Pink than she yeah. did in this. This is like her first thing, pretty much, right? Yeah. She wasn't that great of an actress. There's really good music in the movie. Similar to Pretty in Pink. Yeah. And they get together in the end. But it, it's kind of like this same similar story that he kind of was just always trying to perfect and then eventually just kind of gave up on. Yeah, but it's just weird that, like, what's-his-face, um, Blaine's got more of a personality than Jake Ryan. But they're the same character, like, they are exactly the same character, almost. Mm-hmm. Because Blaine didn't talk all that much, either. And when he talked, you couldn't understand what he was saying, either. Well, I guess you can't really develop a full romance, or, actually, I have seen it done, we're probably gonna watch these movies. This movie takes place in two days. Yeah. The characters are only in, like, two scenes together that those characters get together. Well, yeah, the one scene where they're, she's oh, like three doing scenes. the sex note. Mm-hmm. Then there's the scene in the dance. Yep. And then there's the last scene. Yeah. But you don't feel like it's that whole crush thing again. Like, she's, the best word that I can think of to describe this is she's lusting over him. Mm-hmm. She's... She, or he is the ultimate crush to her. He has no reason whatsoever or to, to pursue a relationship with her. Yeah, he's a senior who's graduating and she's a sophomore. But he's enamored with her. Yeah. Instantly. As soon as he finds out that she wants to have sex with him. He never brings that up. He tells his friend that she's always staring at him like she's in love with him. But and- he has it. He has the note when she... Um, when he's getting ready to call, he pulls out the her mm-hmm. little sex quiz. I don't know. He was definitely, like, this is definitely a, a storyline that was on John Hughes's mind. Like, every time, I just keep going back to that, that he was just really trying to hone this one story in, and he wasn't 100% sure what he wanted to say. Mm-hmm. Because with John Hughes, it's always, it's always symbolism. It's always something that he wants to say about teenage society or just society in general 
I think John Hughes was Farmer Ted when he was younger. Oh, I definitely think that's... That's why Ducky gets so much screen time. That's mm-hmm. why uh, Anthony Michael Hall gets so much screen time. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'd even say, like, John Hughes was Brian in The Breakfast Club. Who's Anthony Michael Hall? He yeah. plays Brian's dad. <laughs> oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's not the... He, he wouldn't be Ferris, but that's who he would probably be fantasizing about. He would probably be Cameron. Yeah. Being dragged along, but completely enamored with this adventure. Ferris Bueller is such a different movie than these other movies. It's such a, it's a much better told together And that movie thing. takes place in one day. And that movie takes place in one day. But it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not disjointed. Like, everything that they're, I think this is what I mostly mean when I say disjointed, is none of the p- puzzle pieces kind of fit together correctly. Mm-hmm. Like, all the, normally when you have stories that have A, B sides, they still have, like, some semblance of a connection to one another, because it just, it makes us feel more involved in a story. This, you're, you're introduced to a character that we don't really care about on the bus, and then we get this entire story arc with him. Mm-hmm. Then we get another entire story arc with her, and they don't connect. They intersect, but they never connect. And that's, I think, where I mean it's completely disjointed yeah yeah a lot of scenes without like the main character with these secondary characters yeah he eventually figures out a type of formula and how how to write something like this Mm -hmm. like with ferris you still have he still has that a and b story going on but the b story is more about cameron's arc about dealing with his depression issues and his father his anger towards his father but it it connects all the way it falls in with ferris like his main issue is ferris is trying to push cameron out of it or try and help him but he doesn't know how and that's how that works and then you've also got the the teacher who's trying to get ferris yeah i thought you were gonna say the b story was rooney well the b story like rooney's story i feel like falls along with the a story of ferris and his big day off but the big I guess the emotional crux of Ferris Bueller's day off is Ferris's relationship with Cameron. Because that's really what the, like, the meat of the, the movie is about. Like, they're ending school together. Yeah. I know we're talking about a completely I know. different movie. I think that's great that we're, like, <laughs> totally discussing a relationship in another movie that we're not even watching. But it's still, like, he figured... It's interesting to go back and, like, see where all these things that he struggled with, but yet we have John Hughes on this huge pedestal mm-hmm. as like a as a story writer, as a comedy writer, as this this thing. But yet we've watched Sixteen Candles and Pretty in Pink and they had all they have all of these problems. Yeah. That to me isn't isn't what you think of when you think of John Hughes. True, that's what we're here for. Just break stuff down. <laughs> But, yeah, it's... it's. Well, I don't think John Hughes would want to be put on a pedestal. I'm sure he's watched it. That's what you think. You make bad movies, and you learn. You can't yeah. just make good stuff all the time. No, and, and I don't... Like, I know... The Breakfast Club, to me, is, like, the pinnacle of John Hughes. Like, that is where he was great. It was He was perfect with the dialogue. He understood... 
like the dynamics of the relationships that would be going on there and he broke it down in these specific ways that you emotionally connected to it's not like saint elmo's fire which tried to bring that into the adult world Mm -hmm. where it's basically the breakfast club in the adult world (laughs) to me I've never seen St. Elmo's Fire. It's been a really long time since I've seen St. Elmo's Fire, but that's always, like, the comparison that I, I go with. I'm just like, this is if the Breakfast Club, like, grew up and continued being friends, and then this is what happened. Mm. Breakfast Club also takes place in one day. He does a lot of that, doesn't he? Yeah, but it's either with teen stories, as we're seeing, you either do that or you do the whole school year and we know that didn't work out well for, um... Patrick Dempsey? Yeah. <laughs> that was weird. Can't Buy Me Love. Can't Buy Me Love. Like, in Can't Buy Me Love, you have to think about, it was at New Year's that he got outcast. And then it's not until the end of the school year again is he forgiven. And we don't see any of that time. Yeah. And they didn't even try to make you feel the isolation that he is supposed to have felt mm-hmm. kind of thing. Teen movies. We're just in this little zone of teen movies. Well, I mean, this is right where mm-hmm. it became a genre, almost. Oh, yeah. It became bankable. Yeah, like, they realized, oh, shit, people are going to go see these movies. And it, because teenagers are have those weird feelings that you don't really remember having unless you're a teenager kind of thing. Well, also in the 80s, it was very good economic times. Yeah. They had a lot of surplus cash flow. (laughs) Where's my extra surplus cash flow, Justine? Yeah, you thought you'd come here for 16 Candles chat. (laughs) Boy, were you wrong. 16 Candles. This is a movie. It's about this girl, Sam, played by Molly Ringwald, it is her 16th birthday, but her family has forgotten it because this is the day before her sister's wedding. And as Ashley can tell you, weddings are stressful <laughs> and somewhat unpleasant. Ashley, would you forget my birthday? No. If it was during your wedding time? Our birthday is in the same week. I know. <laughs> Like, I would have to personally forget my own birthday to forget yours. So, we're with this family, Sam's family. She has many siblings. Three, I think. She has a brother and two sisters. So, yes, three. They're waking up in the morning. It's the day before the wedding. They're getting ready for school. Her sister has her period. Which is my fear. That is my legitimate fear. I'm sorry, but it is. Can you just, like, you are wearing a white dress. (laughs) There is no protection for you. But isn't there, like, ten layers between you and the outside world? Not with my dress. Oh. I thought they came with, like, several petticoats. (laughs) That's if you want a princess dress. Uh, Most of the wedding dresses I've seen are princess dresses. Mine is not. Okay. I'm scared, guys. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Well, it, this the time that they are listening to this, I will be panicking, probably. Hyperventilating about some god-awful thing that I forgot that my mother is going to then proceed to annoy me about. As long as everybody is there, you haven't forgotten to invite anybody, everybody gets fed, what else What? nothing else matters, right? I don't know. Somebody will find something. But it doesn't matter. People are going to show up. 
people are gonna eat, they're gonna see you get married, they're gonna dance. <laughs> Is that how you're gonna dance? Like a, like an old man. That's how I dance. And it'll be fine. But it's not like forget birthday worthy over. Right. You're not gonna forget anybody's birthday. So Molly Ringwald is a little crushed that she has woken up and has not blossomed into a full-grown woman. <laughs> She's 16, an awkward, gangly teenager. Were you like that when you were tur- when you turned 16? I don't think so. I don't know. Or did you just wake up and become sullen, angry Justine? <laughs> I look the same <laughs> now as I did then. <laughs> but with pink hair. Happy hair. Yes. Not black tresses of darkness. I only dyed my hair black for my high school graduation. When did you stop smiling in family pictures? <laughs> oh, that was like middle school. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have always wanted to talk about Angry Soul and Justine on the podcast. Because the listeners only know you as this happy-go-lucky thing and I'm just like, I've seen the pictures! <laughs> I've always been happy, Justine. No, I was angsty. (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna say, you told me stories. I was very angsty. This is me as an adult being like, no big deal. (laughs) It was fine. I remember that I wasn't able to get my license until a week after my 16th birthday because I didn't have enough driving hours. Oh, I did do driver's ed when I was 16. Not driving, but the classroom. Yeah. And I got, I was valedictorian for that whatever week's period of time. They gave you valedictorian. Yeah, I got a certificate because I did the best. That's good. I was stressed about my driver's test. Well, I haven't taken a driver's test. <laughs> well, you, you, but you still had to take like, a book test for the yeah. class. That's the one, to get yeah. the permit. Yeah. That was stressful because I don't take tests well. I have hugely bad test anxiety. I didn't do well on my SATs. I decided that I didn't care. Not that we needed them. <laughs> We went to Columbia. Hey. hey. Look at me, it's Joey. <laughs> <laughs> I still love the fact that that's the one movie. That terrible movie. <laughs> terrible Frank Sinatra. You're gonna remember that movie, like, on your deathbed. Yeah. <laughs> you just tell them, Joey was here. <laughs> And then you'll be able to die peacefully into the night. <laughs> Let's cry and laugh at the same time. That's it. I want you to go out with a terrible joke with me just, like, holding your hands. <laughs> and that can be it. And I'd be like, that's it. I can die now. <laughs> Nothing else will be better than this. <laughs> I made a pal Joey joke. Yay! When I died. Yay! At least it would be better than any of the 16 Candles jokes. Oh... Burn. I started taking notes like halfway through the movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she's not a proactive character. None of the characters are. Jake Ryan is. Jake Ryan. Jake Ryan. (laughs) He's so jank. Jake. He's jankity. I'm from Illinois. (laughs) We talk like this. So is Jake Ryan. So is Jake Ryan. (laughs) Everybody in this movie is Illinoisans. They bring the Illinois. They bring the, the, the S in Illinois. <laughs> Jake Ryan and Farmer Ted are the only proactive characters. Why are they? They're not the main characters. Molly Ringwald's the main character, but she does nothing. 
No one does anything, really. She does the least of everybody. I don't know. She doesn't even tell anybody except for Farmer Ted that it's her birthday. Yeah, well, she why, tells her friend. Why did she... Okay, so we're at the beginning, and everyone, everyone's forgotten her birthday, and she doesn't say anything to her parents. She's just like, isn't there something else that you want to tell me? Isn't there something else that you need, mother? And it's like, just tell her. Just say, hey, ma, it's my birthday. Yeah, but they're like, nope. And they're like, bye, Felicia. And she says the line, which Ashley should say. I can't believe they fucking forgot my birthday. That was a nice delivery. Thank you. See, it's I, like it, it's like it's a natural word that I say every day. I knew going to the expert <laughs> would be best. I was just like, I'm going to step back, <laughs> let you take the lead on this. <laughs> she even stares at the camera. John Hughes was really fascinated with breaking the fourth wall. He's a comedic guy. Probably got it from, I want to say the Marx Brothers did it a lot. Did they? Yeah. You know what this movie needed? What? A, a musical number for <laughs> no apparent reason. I'd be down with that. Like, they almost could have had one. They could have just done the, oh, 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 I know this is not the word. I just, <laughs> it makes me think of the wedding singer. Yeah, that's all, that's all I think about, too. <laughs> Uh, Classic romantic comedies connected by music. School montage. Opening credits. It's a school. In Illinois. Illinois. She complains to her friend Randy. Who was only present for the beginning of the movie. And at the dance. Yeah, like that's still technically I would say. Oh yeah. The beginning. Yeah. John Hughes is obsessed with giving lady characters like male names or that was a thing in the 80s but i think it was john hughes sam and randy like andy and uh what was her friend's name in pretty in pink her actual school friend or iona no her actual school friend it was I like a boy's name too i don't remember was it dylan i don't know i want to say it was like reggie but it's not I don't remember because she was only in... She did the same thing that Randy did. She just was there and then all of a sudden disappeared mm-hmm. when her friend needed her. Maybe they didn't live near each other. I don't know. She did call her on occasion. Mostly to talk about how Molly Ringwald's boobs weren't big. That's all they talked about on the phone. Yeah. And then her grandma felt her up. Yeah. School, class, taking the sex test... The, like, who would you do it with if you had to do it? And she writes down Jake Ryan, who's a senior in this class with her. It's like study hall. Yeah. yeah. Which makes sense, like, for the senior to be there. Because I had study hall with seniors when uh, I was in high school. We didn't have study hall at all. Oh. I know nothing. I know it exists. I know it's referenced in movies, but I've never had it. It's like you, you get divided off. It's like kids' lunch is normally a half of a period. So, to make it a full period, they give you, like, a study hall after lunch so that they can divide up the lunch periods so they can fit the whole school throughout through lunch. Oh. Okay. This is why we can't watch teen romantic comedies, (laughs) because then we just start talking about when we were teenagers. That is what we do. But that's because, like, these movies have a very, very thin plot Mm -hmm. and there's very little to discuss so we just relate it back to our high school days Mm -hmm. which my high school is not anything like this and i went to high school in illinois 
Yeah, you should be all about this. Okay, so here's the thing. She's taking the sex test and Jake Ryan is behind her. The guy that she loves that she's crushing on. And he's staring at the back of her head. Why? We don't know. Because he's proto-Edward Cullen. Ew. Oh, it makes sense, but ew. And... Oh. Oh. I feel so bad for Robert Pattinson. She drops the note to give it to Randy, but Randy's sleeping in class. So Jake Ryan takes the note. Her only purpose is to fall asleep in class and not get the note. That is her only purpose in this movie. Pretty much. Yeah. You got that right. So he's a senior and she's a sophomore and Jake's in gym asking his beefy friend about Sam. Like, what do you think of Sam? He's like, nothing. She's a void. There's nothing there. She doesn't... You can't do anything with her. You can't She's party. She's a child. He's like... Well, maybe I'm looking for something more than a party. Did he really say that? He said that. I don't know. This man did not speak a lot, and I think I just, he was so quiet that I toned him out. Then we see Caroline's boobs. Like, actual boobs. Actual boobs. Because they're talking about how stacked Caroline is, so we then see it, and the girls in gym class are watching her shower naked, which is gross to me. Weird. Yeah. It was very weird and gross. I mean... I never understood, like, the 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 need to have boobs like that. Like, okay, like, like in the movie. Like, I understood the reason behind having boobs. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get their purpose in life. Okay, okay good. <laughs> so I'd be like, girl. You need to sit me down and have a talk. <laughs> I think it's taken, it's my duty now, before your wedding, to sit you down, explain some things. No, like, like, obsessing over it when you're, like, 16, 15, 16, and, and, and whatever. I don't think, I don't remember, I just remember, like, it was just one day where it was just like, okay, I need to start wearing a bra now. Yeah. Molly Ringwald wants boobs. Because apparently every teenage girl wants boobs. But she gets a boy. That's the theme of this movie. She really wanted boobs for her birthday, but she got a guy. Huh. Who's like a fish. Then we're on a bus. School bus. Bus with nerds. Nerds. Nerds on the bus. We're, like, nerds with jock straps on their heads? Yeah, I don't... Gross. I don't know. Nerds with video game guns? Shooting at one another? They were sci-fi nerds. To the extreme. (laughs) Their, their bus was Comic-Con. <laughs> well, anyway, we get to meet Anthony Michael Hall, who is the real star of this movie, the real gem of Sixteen Candles. Who is also very creepy. Yeah, 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 he's a terrible guy. <laughs> yeah, because he keeps on, like... He does not, uh, he does not respect personal space. He doesn't take social cues. He was, like, whispering in her ear and, like, licking her earlobe at one point. Yeah, he doesn't understand. He's like, does that turn you on? Yeah, am I turning you on? Like, no, not even. Not even, like, I'm going to actually go and get a restraining order. Yeah, like, that's when I, at this point, 
because he wouldn't leave her alone. It was like a solid five minutes of him just leave, not leaving her alone. So I said, this is what happens when everyone forgets your birthday and a, uh, a stalker, freshman, once, uh, won't leave you alone. Yeah, I wrote down bus harassment. Because this thing does happen in life where a guy comes up to you and, you know, you could say go to hell, like she says. And he's like, ha 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 ha. <gasps> yeah. It's, it's, it's not cool. And... Well, it's like this thing that men are conditioned to take rejection as a badge of honor that, like, really, they're playing hard to get, in a way. Yeah, and it's movies like this in popular culture that perpetuate. Yeah. Well, and it gets so much worse. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like, after we go to the dance, he and his friends, because she goes home and, because I don't think really much significance happens when she's at home she goes home all it is we meet long duck dong and her grandparents are there and oh with her sister the only thing is notable is that she's hanging out with her sister and her sister's like you're being a bitch because you're jealous it's like no because you forgot my birthday yeah then then she goes off to a school dance Mm -hmm. and he again drags her physically this time Onto the dance floor and, like, forces her to, to dance until she cries and runs away. Because she is so embarrassed. That's why she she's upset and Well, crying. I mean, I think at this point she's just overwhelmed. Everyone forgot her birthday. She can't get this guy to leave her alone. Mm-hmm. And she's feeling, like, alone and powerless in a way. The point that the filmmakers, I believe, were trying to say is that she wanted it to be a great day, but it ends up being the most embarrassing day. Like, everything after the next thing is very embarrassing to her. Yeah. So she runs away. Anthony Michael Hall and his random baby-faced fa- <gasps> uh, friends. The real jewel of this film. Yeah. <laughs> John Cusack. <laughs> Who looks an awful lot like Miles Teller. Oh, but amazing <gasps> Who has better acting? Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll give it that. I don't want to punch John Cusack in the face. That's true. I want to punch Miles Teller every time I see him. I don't know why. But he, he does look a lot like John Cusack when he was younger. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't shake it. It's in my brain now. It's happening. But yeah, so they, his friends are trying to... They bet him that he can't get any. Yeah, so they need proof. Because mm-hmm. he says he can. So first they ask for a videotape, and he says no. And then they ask for her panties. Underpants. Underpants. <laughs> Underpants. <laughs> oh, wait, we gotta do the disdainful one. Underpants. <laughs> I don't think my voice can get any more savage. <laughs> oh, the Boy Meets World beautiful years of crazy Cory. Oh, can't we? We should do another podcast. Just all Boy Meets World. A Boy Meets World podcast. I'm okay with that. Add that to our schedule. (laughs) What do you do do on Sunday? We record all the podcasts. All the podcasts. Then we watch Game of Thrones. We watch Game of Thrones and cry. We cry. It's a good cry at the end of the night. (laughs) Start out laughing watching Boy Meets World. (laughs) At the end of the night, we're crying. Justine gets very New England. (laughs) <laughs> she's so tired she goes back to her original accent oh i'm so tired <laughs> i'm so tired i'm so tired so tired i got the boy meets world 
And I'm Gary Marshall. <laughs> and I'm Gary Marshall. When did that happen? I'm so dead. <laughs> Underpants. <laughs> and Gary Marshall. And Gary Marshall. <laughs> that would be the name of the podcast for the Boy Meets World. <laughs> Underpants and Gary Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> We're just talking. Or I do Boy Meets World reviews as Gary Marshall. Yeah. Okay, we can do that. <laughs> so, Gary Marshall, what is your opinion? I really like this guy. <laughs> he's a nice guy. <laughs> but he's a little stupid. <laughs> what was he thinking? What about the Feeny call, Mr. Marshall? Oh, I love the Feeny call. <laughs> it's great. He's all Feeny. <laughs> I'm Gary Marshall. So, she runs away, right? That's where we're at? Yeah. She- oh, Jake, she runs away. Jake Ryan confronts Farmer Ted, Anthony Michael Hall. Like, I saw you dancing with that girl. Which he has a name in the movie, so why did they credit him as Geek? I don't know. Sometimes, I don't know. The geek. Like, is this, is this a Greek play? <laughs> Your name in the play is the Dubbidus-nish. But we're going to call you the geek. The geek. <laughs> okay. 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 Like, that's a thing that happened. He, Jake confronts him about who he was dancing with. I don't know what happens during that interaction. Well, like, Farmer Ted's like, first like, whoa, I didn't do anything. Sorry, it was an accident. And he's like, no, I just want information. He's, and then... She's like, oh, that girl, you know, small boobs, nice voice. She's okay. She's cool. Just trying to get to know her, like, trying to get any information. Like, I don't know. They're just duding it up. His hands were so massive. Farmer Ted's. Anthony Michael Hall's. Yes. His heads were, or his heads. His, <laughs> his hands were bigger than his head. They were like alien hands going, let me touch your boobies. <laughs> They were. They were, like, <laughs> he could put his arm somewhere and his hands would be, like, ten feet away. Yeah. <laughs> they were massive. He really he really grew into his hands, okay? Good, good for him. <laughs> his head was a little large, too. Well, he grew into that, too. I mean, he, he, looks, he looks rather rugged and handsome at this point. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Um, Age and well. Joan Cusack's in this movie, too. As the girl with the neck brace. she's Her credit is geek number one. Geek number one. Number one geek of my heart. I wish she had more. She had some really nice physical gags. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so at the dance, Anthony Michael Hall goes off to find Sam after mm-hmm. he runs into Jake. And she's in shop, the shop garage or whatever, sitting in half of a car. Mm-hmm. And he, like, comes up and, like, has a genuine conversation with her. And then Spider Monkey's his, her face. Yeah, she tells him that it's her birthday and everybody forgot. And so, like, he opens up to her. And then, like, yeah, when he senses this, like, walls coming down. He, like, puts his crotch in her face. Yeah. It wasn't even, like, here, I know what sex is. It was, here, look at my crotch. He's like, can I tell you a secret? And that he was a virgin. No, really? Yeah, that's what she was laughing at. She laughed at him. And, um... He also tells her that he is the king of the... Or the... Yeah. He's like the leader. 
He's the king of the dipshits. The king of the dipshits. He apologizes for the way he acted earlier, but he's got to because he's the king of the the dipshits. King of the dipshits. So, he wants to have sex with her, but she's like, no, actually, I am saving myself. And he's like, get out of town, for who? And she's like, Jake Ryan? He's like, Jake's my boy! He's my boy! We we, we buds! Yeah. Come on, girl, I got you. Yeah. That's what he does. He's like... He literally does that. He's like, I'm gonna stop trying to have sex with you. I got this. We're gonna go. I'm gonna put you, cook you up. Yeah. We were just talking about you, which she gets really excited about. I don't know why. Yeah, so she's like, I should talk to him. He's like, yeah. You do that. But... But, now that we've had this talk... Can I borrow your panties? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, sure. Why she does this, I I don't know. What does she have... Uh, it's not like he, it's framed in that he did her a favor, but he really didn't. He just told her that Jake was asking about her, mm-hmm. but he didn't do her a favor. So why should she do him a favor? Because in his twisted little stalker mind, he did do her a favor. Maybe to get her, get uh, him to leave her alone, or to maybe help her further. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah. It does kind of help in the end when he's talking to Jake Ryan. Setting up the rape. The date rape. Yeah. <laughs> Here's her underwear. Yeah, that was weird. She starts practicing how to talk to Jake. And Jake is with Caroline dancing and he's totally spacing out and she wants to leave. So he goes over to, like, the coat check area and gets their coats and while he's standing there, um, Sam comes up behind him, and he turns around and smiles, and she runs away and doesn't say anything to him. Yeah. And she's so totally embarrassed. So totally embarrassed. That should be the name of this movie. So totally embarrassed on my 16th birthday. It's like her other show, The Secret Life of the American Teenager, because that isn't a mouthful. In the bathroom, there's the panty show. Which is, like, one of the things that you quintessentially remember from this movie, apparently. Mm-hmm. They are, they, all of the little freshmen have paid a dollar to see her underwear, and he comes out like Jesus, holding them over his head. And it's like, Ah, panties on high. Her dirty panties. Ugh. Dong drives them home. Dong has found a lady love. Yeah, a very tall lady love. He was canoodling with her boobies. Mm-hmm. Dinner with the in-laws is terrible. Why is she marrying him? There is a slight joke made at the wedding when she gets her period. The guy, the groom says, well, I guess we didn't need to get married that fast after all. Like, they thought, like, she got knocked up or something. Oh, I missed that. Yes, yeah, I've never caught it before. It's a very briefly said by the, the groom. I mean, that would make sense, because he's, like, his he's losing his hair, mm-hmm. which isn't, like, a horrible thing, and I shouldn't judge, but he's, like, nasty and gross, and he's kind of a douchebag, and his dad is really skeevy, and his mother, or, or grandmother, or whoever that lady was, who looked like Endora from Bewitched. She looked like she lived at, in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah! She looked like, uh, she had, like bright green eyeshadow on and it was all the way up to her eyebrows (laughs) all the way up 
And, like, she had a feather... Was it the feather boa, or was it just her dress? Her dress had feathers on it. I thought she it. had a track suit on. I don't know. I don't know. I, she was weird. I don't know why we were at this. Because dinner was horrible, and we needed to see that her sister's relationship was really not that stable. Party at Jake's. So, yeah, Caroline said to Jake at the dance, like, oh, I invited so-and-so and so-and-so over your house. Isn't it great when your parents leave? Like, she's taking advantage of their relationship. Yeah, she also said, I promised that it was only going to be them. Like, they were supposed to keep it a secret, but they didn't. It's a huge raging party at Jake Ryan's. Let's smash everything. Mm-hmm. That's basically what that is. So, Dong drives him and his lady love to the party, which... Why he was trusted to drive, I don't know, because he really didn't seem like he knew how to drive. Unless this was supposed to be a stereotypical Asian driver comment. We haven't mentioned that, because we kind of just skipped over when he was introduced, that this is terrible Asian American or just Asian representation. At least he is actually of Asian descent. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not uh, yellow face. It's not horrible Mickey Rooney again, but it is... A very stereotypical... Yeah, it's a bad depiction. Yes. Kind of, even though he seems to be relatively smart, they kind of played him off as pretty dumb and... Well, just he couldn't understand English very well. Yeah. They they played him as, like, one of those fresh off the boat, you know? Yeah. It was bad. Yeah. It was pretty bad. And the gong sound every time someone said his name. Yeah. It was pretty bad. I don't want to talk about that anymore. It's kind of nasty especially when he puts on that kimono out of nowhere yeah jake calls up samantha's house six times Mm -hmm. but what he doesn't know is that there's this whole wedding thing and her grandparents are staying in her bedroom and it's her direct line you know so he's calling up the grandma and he says eat me when he hangs up the phone which upsets grandma they're soliciting for sex Drunk Caroline gets her hair caught in the door that he shuts. Yeah, and they, like, the way that they try to go about getting her out, because he tells her to leave him alone. It's so, he is so overdone when he does it, too. He's just like, will you just leave me alone? That's the loudest his voice is in the movie. I know, he sounds like the Beast from Beauty and the Beast whenever, like, Belle is trying to be all nice and sweet to him. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it sound. It reminded me of. So, he's phoning up the grandparents. He actually gets a hold, like, the grandpa answers and is just like, Why are you calling? And he does the, oh, hello, sir. Is Samantha there? May I please talk to her? <laughs> May I please converse with her? Yeah. He brings out all the $5 words. Yeah. And, yeah, her pa- her grandparents save her from talking to him. The yeah. The juvenile delinquent. <laughs> God did not put me on this earth. That's what her, her grandmother says. Uh, Caroline's friends cut her hair from the door. Because they can't open the door. They're too drunk to figure that out. The house is trashed, and when Jake Ryan comes out after everybody leaves, he finds Farmer Ted stuck in the table. The glass table. Yeah. He's dying. Slowly. Yep. He would have had a dead body on his hands in the morning. He should have, like, probably died. Who knew how long he'd been in there? I think he can last with that amount of oxygen for a little bit, but I don't think for... I don't know. Like I said, I think he would have been dead in the morning. Yeah, most likely. So then they have, like, their their talk about date rape in the kitchen where Farmer Ted is making 
a margarita or a martini or something. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a martini. He's a freshman. How does he know how to make a martini? And, yeah, they talk about, like, switching, switching girls. Yeah. And Jake says you should, um, take home Caroline because she's drunk. Mm-hmm. And she won't know the difference. And you'll have a great time. Basically implying, here, she's drunk. She can't say no to you. Have well, your way with her. Yeah, Jake was like, oh, I could violate her ten times any which way if I wanted to. Why would you say that? Yeah, especially usually when you got, when you use the word violate. violate. Yeah. And you don't, like, piece together what it means. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. rape. We did skip a scene. Dad apologizes to Sam. Oh, yeah, we go before he carries Caroline out of the house. We got to um, Sam's house, and Dad comes down and says, I couldn't sleep, honey. I'm sorry. We forgot your birthday. Yeah, and everything's just fine. I'm not mad anymore, Daddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's like, but there's still something wrong. She's like, oh, there's this guy. But he still doesn't get it. He's like, yeah, your sister is marrying a bohunk. I don't even know what that means, but it was funny. I was I was just implying that it meant douchebag. Yeah. And she's like, no, there's this guy, Jake Ryan, I really like him, he doesn't know I exist. And he says, that's why they call them crushes. Because they crush you. Yeah. Honey. You don't want a life to be easy. Your sister has it easy, and I'm worried about her all the time. I'm not worried about you. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. You're just fine, your average-looking self. <laughs> Lovely messages. Okay, that was that. Yep. Yeah, so Jake... Jake wants a serious girl who he can love and will love him back. Caroline doesn't love him. She's just using him. So he's done with her. That's what he tells Farmer Ted. So he gives him Caroline and the Rolls Royce. That is his father's. Mm Mm-hmm. Lots of absentee father figures in John Hughes movies. Dong is in the tree. And shouts and attacks Jake. So Jake punches him. Yep. Yep. Yeah, we don't see that. You, you like, hear about it yeah. after. Yeah. Semi-confused me. Yeah. And then we cut to the next morning. No, no, no. No, the oh. car ride. Do the car ride. The cre- Oh, the creepy car ride? Caroline in the car with Ted. Where she has the music up too loud and it's freaking him out. And, and she is just wasted. Yeah. Before she was passed out. Now she's, like, conscious, but completely sloshed. <laughs> I don't understand how. Like, did she sober up a little bit, but still retain some of her crazy? Maybe, Because yeah. she completely doesn't remember the next morning. Yeah. Well, sh- Farmer Ted takes this opportunity to drive over his prize to his friend's house. Oh, I forgot about this part. You blocked this out. I blocked this out because this is weird. Where he requests that his friends get a camera. <laughs> To prove that this occasion did happen. Ugh. It is implied that the picture did not come out, but we don't know what else. Why would you only take one picture? Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. It's implied. Yeah, I don't remember this part. <laughs> it was gross. The next morning. I like, okay, there's one thing I really kind of like, is that this next scene is edited where it looks like, um... Sam and Jake are in bed together, or yeah. at least thinking about each other. I really yeah. like the editing of that. It was nice. It was like The Graduate, almost. Mm-hmm. It was, yes. We need more of that. Bring yeah. Bring back The Graduate. 
What happened to all the good romantic comedies? Um, Sam's mom apologizes to her. I read that the actress specifically requested this scene because she's like, I'm a loving mother. Why wouldn't I apologize to her? Exactly! (laughs) Why would you forget her birthday in the first place? I don't care. I don't care how busy or whatever it was with a wedding. You do not forget birthdays. Yeah, especially if it's a date that you've known over and over. You're repeating the date because you have to tell everybody the date. Yes. So the date, that's the thing, the date is always on your mind. And if you already know it from being associated with it for 16 years already with something else. You gave birth to a child. A child came out of you. You remember that shit. You know what date it happened. Some mothers even go one step further and remember the time. My mother tells me all the time that that was the earliest I have ever been in my entire life because I was born at 5 o'clock in the morning and I woke her up. (laughs) okay like I know that because she harps on it all the time because I am not a morning person and never have been since nice that doesn't matter she calls up her friend talks about her boobs some more David Bowie young Americans Americans. young Americans (laughs) all right yeah we were just dancing everybody gets in their cars to go to the wedding they find dong Passed out on the grass. Outside. They were worried about him. He was, he was her, her grandpa was reporting him missing to the police. Yeah. And he had the fa- famous automobile. I didn't understand this. Dong. I just didn't understand why Dong was there, I guess. Why was he even inserted into this story? I feel like in the 80s, they added a lot of, like, wacky characters just to be like, and then we've got this wacky character. And it's usually, like, someone foreign, too. Mm. It was weird. But, yeah, they get to the church, and Jenny has started her period. Yep. So she took four muscle muscle relaxers. And she seems chill at first. (laughs) Oh, she's chill. But then they, like, start getting her ready, and she is fucked up. She yeah. is high as a fucking kite. She's giggling mm-hmm. and laughing. I don't know if muscle She's relaxers touching would all do of the things. Yeah. I don't know if muscle relaxers would do that to you. I don't think so. Because that seems more like an opiate response. Yeah. The way that she was performing. You're correct about that. Like, I feel like muscle relaxers would just... She would just be limp? Well, oh. you would just be asleep. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, Especially taking four. Caroline and Ted wake up together in the car. car, uh, Which happens to be across the street from the church uh, parking lot. Convenient. Dun, dun, dun. She says that they did it. Well, also, he he woke up wearing his headgear for his braces. So that implies that he just carries it around because he obviously didn't go home. Mm Mm-hmm. Why? Like, how would drunk you know how to put, put that on and to put that on. How did he get drunk? Well, because Jake gave them, gave him a, like an eight pack. Oh, did he? A beer. Yeah, he put it in the car with Caroline. Oh. Oh, there were all those empty mm-hmm. uh, beer bottles or beer cans, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so we don't actually know if they had sex. Well, she not. says they, she's pretty sure they did, so... And that she thinks she likes it, liked it. Yeah. He doesn't remember. She doesn't remember. No one really remembers. Jake goes to Sam's house 
but finds Dong instead. Dong says she went to go get married. Yeah. He's like, married? Married. <laughs> Don't you understand? Married. Mowage. Mowage. We've got the wedding. Jenny is fucked up. Yep. Through the entire thing. She gets annoyed with her veil because it keeps touching her lips. Mm-hmm. So she takes it off and throws it across the aisle. And then we see the end where they're throwing rice. Caroline and Ted get along. They talk about things. Yeah, and then they smooch. And then they smooch. Right as Jake's pulling up. (laughs) And so she thinks that he's upset, which Mm -hmm. I don't know why he would be upset. Why did he even act upset? Okay, first of all. He's the one who gave her away. Yeah. Like like a pack animal. Or like a sack of flour, to be quite honest. (laughs) She was over the shoulder. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So they break up, because she's like, it's not the end of the world if if this don't work out. Mm. He wanted to break up all along, so. So why was he sad? I don't know. But then he, like, is across the street waiting for... Yeah, everybody leaves the wedding, and they forget Molly Ringwald again. (laughs) Yeah, because of reasons. This suddenly turned into Home Alone. Yeah. Did John Hughes write Home Alone? Yeah, uh, John Hughes did write the screenplay for Home Alone. There we go. That's where you got forgetting your child. He said, I should make a movie about this later. (laughs) Well, he got got ideas for Ferris Bueller because when um, Farmer Ted is driving the car, he looks directly at the camera and said, this is going to be a good night or something like that. He's like, I should have a movie with a character that always looks into the camera. Yeah, and then the child who is always forgotten... Yep. He also probably came up with Pretty in Pink, too, because it's pretty much the exact same story. We love John Hughes. We do. We do. This is just evaluating how a process works. Yes. He, his early days, he, lear- he learned a lot from his mistakes. Mm-hmm. He definitely, his dialogue is still strong. Like, he, it's not, it has nothing to do with, it's just the, the way that the story structure is. The characters still work within those those stories it's just the structure is not there that he has in his later ones mm-hmm. but yes home alone is john hughes but um yeah she goes back inside to get the veil she comes out everybody the cars the cars moses part and there's yeah. jake ryan next to his red convertible yeah and he's like you me yeah she looks around and she lo- goes Misha does the exact same thing Ducky does mm-hmm. in Pretty in Pink. See? <gasps> it happened. I found the connection. It's all connected. Oh, I didn't even realize that, that that has the same ending. It does. It's the exact <laughs> same ending. It's the exact same movie. He was tortured. He was tortured until he got it right, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, and then Can't Buy Me Love came out. Yeah. And ripped him off. Yeah. Well, she... She she blows off the reception of her sister's yeah. wedding. Oh, we have to establish that she's not going to the reception or whatever. I don't know. Right. We have to do story things, apparently. Yeah. So she goes in the car with him, and then they, they're they sitting on the table at his house with a cake, and he says, make a wish, and she says, it already came true. And then they kiss. And then they kiss. Over the cake. And to then get, it freeze frames. To get, to get that iconic image. Yeah. That's the movie. Sixteen candles. That was a good funeral march. I've reached my breaking point. I saw a hearse today 
Did you think of Harold? I did. I do every <laughs> time I see one, too. I said, I wanted to tell Drew. I'm like, I wonder like, Harold would like that. <laughs> I'm like, where's my Ashley? <laughs> oh, another movie that touched our lives. I think we said a lot about this movie. We've covered pretty much everything there is to cover about this movie. We've covered every movie other than this this movie. (laughs) We talked about Pal Joey. We talked about Gary Marshall. Gary Marshall. How does this make you feel about your upcoming wedding? A lot better, because it won't be like that. See? Could always be worse. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I'll need to, to take medication to get through it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anybody's birthday will be forgotten. Then I think we should rate this movie. Okay. I'm going to rate this movie one flower wreath. Wow. I wasn't expecting a one. You really didn't like it. I didn't like it. Because previously you did like it. Because previously I did like But, like, all of these, like, things that, like, I notice now, mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't. I can't appreciate this movie. Like, I can't appreciate the racism. I can't appreciate the sexism. I can't appreciate the rape culture that this perpetuated. And I really just can't appreciate the whining. Because there was a lot of whining. Mm -hmm. Like, I wrote down several times, this is whiny white teenager problems. Mm -hmm. Okay. I feel that, as we discussed, this movie kicked off a lot of things. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to rate this movie two and a half muscle relaxers because <laughs> you should take some more <laughs> yeah i feel like yeah if you were high this movie would be pretty good mm-hmm. pretty hilarious i just was not i uh, with my migraine and everything i was just not putting up with the sh- same shit that i normally am i guess i do think that it is culturally important and i do think this is something that john hughes took as a learning lesson and build off built off of Mm -hmm. and became the john hughes that we know and love today so i think it's important just probably nowhere near as important as pretty in pink is yeah ma'am but they're the same they're the same movie he just reworked it Mm -hmm. all right excellent next week we are watching 1987's moonstruck I think should be good. I think it won some awards and things. I've never seen it. I've seen the cover. Yes. That, yes. I have seen the, yes, the poster, the DVD cover. I don't know why. Is it because of Netflix, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Probably. I don't know your life. Sorry. (laughs) I don't know your life choices. I don't want to (laughs) assume. We got a few thank yous. I want to thank my mama. Mama, mama. Mama. I want to thank Nicole. I want to thank Sam. Even though he doesn't want thank yous. Sam doesn't want to be thanked. Well, thank you, Sam. Say it loud, say it proud. Thank you to Leah, and thank you to the Two Girls, One Film podcast. I I give that an affirmative nod, as they say in radio. (laughs) She is now nodding affirmatively. (laughs) We are here on the Golf Channel. We have to talk silently, so the golfers are not disturbed by our inane commentary on the world as it stands. I don't know why. But yeah, okay. Bye people. Have a good have a good life. Bye. 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 <laughs>